Welcome to SkyCast episode 27, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing season 5, episode 13, Damocles part 2, season finale. We're at the end. We made it. Another season. End of the line. This one went fast, I think. (laughs) Did it? I don't know. It feels like it did to me. It didn't feel fast to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about a little bit about your feelings about this episode specifically and then kind of putting into perspective the whole season five in general. Yeah. So that's an interesting question. Um we've gone through a multitude of emotions about this episode specifically this week. When we first saw it, I think we were a little disappointed because it was, it still felt so plot heavy and like there wasn't enough time to give the characters like moments where they could just like talk things out. Yeah. Um, but upon rewatching it, I did like it much, much more. I personally still feel like season five lost its way a little bit I agree um you know what I love about this show are the characters and their relationships and I don't think this season took the time to properly explore those things they they leaned very heavily into the plot and it was just a lot of like back and forth plot of we're not really moving anywhere and yet there's still a lot of plot yeah um which ended up just feeling a little stagnant um Uh, Overall, you know, what I loved about season four was that the show gave the characters little moments to just be and to kind of explore who they are as people. And we didn't get that this season. No, we didn't. Um, And I think moving forward, like in a couple of like postseason interviews, Jason has said that they're looking forward to exploring like the character and psychology of like what's going on with these guys a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So. I'm confident that they will return to that sort of writing style. Better writing, yeah, if you um, will. <laughs> but it was lacking in this season, and I agree that the first time we watched this, it was very underwhelming. Um, I, there were a lot of things that I was expecting to take place in this episode, um, reconciliations and uh, just just like tying up loose ends between characters. Mm-hmm that we didn't get at all or that we just skipped over. Um, and that's what I want. That's yeah. what I really want to see. I want to see them breaking through and working through their issues with each other despite what's going on around them. I mean, it doesn't matter what setting you put them in, if it's a dystopian, if it's fantasy or, you know, whatever. I, what really drives the show is character. And if you're not going to put time and energy into those character developments, then you lose your audience. Um, And so I do agree that there was definitely some shortcuts taken, um, some cheats. But I do do... I mean, I did really like this episode. There are certain moments that we'll get into throughout this podcast that um, were really beautiful and striking. Um, That isn't to say that I didn't enjoy this episode. I did. It was just a little bit... It felt a little flat for me. Yeah, my, my thoughts are they should have ended episode 12 with uh, McCreary releasing the Damocles thing. We shouldn't have had all of that beforehand to take up time in the episode. Um, it, it really should have been accelerated so we could have, you know, some great character moments at the conclusion because I truly think that 
with the way things ended now, not just with Clark and Bellamy, but with like Clark and all of the the friends and, and Bellamy as well. Well, and Bellamy and 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 um, I think there's just a lot of relationships that are left hanging, and then they don't get proper closure for this season. And that's you know, just because the show is going to continue doesn't mean that each season doesn't need to have a beginning, middle, and end. Exactly. We, we need to, like, feel a sense of, like, okay, I'm, you know, this is going to maybe go further in another season, but right now I feel like they at least had, like, a talk. They, like, worked some things out well, right. and will continue I mean, to... At the beginning of each season, you put forward a, a, a question or a problem that you tell the audience, you promise the audience that you will solve by the end of it. Um, and I'm not sure that they solved any of the issues and problems that they set forward in the beginning of this season especially because at the end of this, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, um, you know, this is the conclusion of book one. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like they concluded anything from a character degree. Yeah, well, what's really concerning is that Jason and them didn't know that the show was going to continue at this point, which is why they wanted to at least make it feel like it had like a sense of closure if they didn't get another season. And this is what they wrote? They didn't. Clark and Raven didn't even speak. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, let's move on. We'll get into the recap. But before we do, I just wanted to say, um, please, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other fans of The 100 to find us. Um, We really appreciate all your help and support. So thank you and go do that. And we'll get right into the recap. Last episode, guys. Last episode. The one crew camp seems hopeless when suddenly the rover drives up. Everyone jumps out, and they, rush to, and they rush Gaia to see Jackson. Maddie is the last one out of the rover, and one crew stares at her. When Octavia sees her, she draws her sword and comes toward her. Bellamy and Echo block her way at first, but Maddie tells them to let her pass. And when Octavia gets to her, she jams her sword in the ground and bows. At that, the rest of one crew bows, too. So this is kind of one of my, my character things for the season. I do think they did probably the best job with Octavia out of all of the characters. Yeah. Um, but that said, her turnaround in these last two episodes does feel very sudden to me. Um, I'm not sure if it should. What? How does it feel to you? Do you think that her bowing to Maddie seems like a little too soon? No, I don't think given what we saw last episode, it feels too soon. But I agree that having the turning point be in the season finale for her I would have liked to see that progression um, kind of spread out a little bit more evenly distributed mm-hmm. earlier in, in the season so that we could see that kind of development moving instead of having it sort of all happen at one pinnacle moment. I would have preferred to see it develop slower um, so that we really understand that this is something that she's been working towards and thinking about and it's not just this sudden change of mind because I don't think that's realistic, but given that that's what happened in last episode, this bowing to me feels fine. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, I I guess the way I'm trying to think about it, that I think the showrunners were trying to say, but maybe didn't necessarily get it across perfectly, Um, but Octavia this whole season has truly, truly believed, like in her deepest heart of hearts, that she was the best thing for her people, and that she was the one who could lead them to to Eden. and the second she realized that she wasn't, she, like, took a step back and let someone else go. Yeah. Um, I, 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 again, I think that could have been shown better. I also think I agree with you that she, that that transition should have happened a lot more throughout the season other than, like, the last two episodes. Yeah, and I think the message gets a little bit muddied, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but 
you you're if you're if the sh- if the writers are trying to put forth that she this is sort of like a an altruism you know a warped altruism in Octavia that she's trying to protect her people and believes she is the the only one or the better the best option to do that um then I'm not sure what what they're trying to say about her liking power and her addiction to power I think those two things don't have to necessarily be mutually exclusive but I would have liked to have seen that conversation um and that interplay a lot more clearly throughout the episode mm-hmm. or throughout the season I mean um because I think that they're saying one thing and showing another and those two things don't actually align that well um even though I think they could have I think it's very easy that they could have made that a really interesting um exploration they just didn't yeah yeah um I have to say to tiny nitpick um I'm gonna try and not nitpick too much but I, I just have to say that Bellamy and company showing up in the rover kind of felt like a deus ex machina to me I know this is like a you know dramatic show but I I, I just I don't know it doesn't really feel like that to me just because I feel like we've been moving this whole season toward Maddie leading them and it's kind of like finally time that Maddie's going to lead them. I don't know. It just didn't feel out of it didn't feel too much of a stretch to me. Okay. Alrighty. Um, but I did really, really appreciate the Bellamy and Echo reunion. I thought it was very sweet, very touching. I'm still confused by where they're going with this. Um, but I, I thought they had a really cute moment. Yeah, I agree and I honestly have no idea where they're going with it. I'm not even going to speculate because no, no. the show never does what I think it's going to do. So <laughs> No, I'm just kind of enjoying it now. Yeah. Like I've I've come to a place where I'm like, okay, you guys are very cute together. I like I really like both of you mm-hmm. as humans. And I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm I feel good. Yeah. Honestly. I feel fine. Yeah. Uh we've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> In my own personal journey. <laughs> we've come a long way this season. <laughs> Um, and also, I really like seeing Harper get at least one substantial moment. I mean, she has, like, a really big moment um, at the end later. But but as far as, like, what's happening in this current plot throughout this season, because that feels very separate, I mean, it was nice to get, like, one tiny thing from her. Well, we really got two things, because we got her replying to Miller, and then we got the moment when the rover drove up where she, like, comes in screaming, like, they're with us, they're yeah, with us, yeah. like, we're going to take care of it. Totally. Totally. Um, it just, I really, really, now that we've reached the end of the season and know how her story ends out, I'm very disappointed in the writers. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little I, more. I honestly think the reason that Harper is still around is because they just wanted Monty to have a happy ending. So they needed to, like, keep her around. They didn't feel the need to write her character in the slightest this no. season. No, they didn't. Um, and we're going to talk about that more later on. Um. One last note on this. I thought it was really interesting that Echo recognizes the authority of Maddie as her Hedda immediately. Um, I really liked seeing her sort of carry on those traditions, her own sense of loyalty and and all of the grounder culture um, moving forward. And I, I just really thought it was sweet that she immediately accepted her as her Hedda. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with you, um, but I also think one crew pretty much immediately accepted her, so I think it's clear that, you know, as soon as they open Pandora's box, if you will, mm-hmm. everyone started slipping back into their old ways. I think one crew was really only possible when they were trapped in that bunker. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Although I do, I do still think, you know, one crew can stay together in a sense just because 
they're the last of humanity like they're all each other has so maybe we can get kind of a nice um mixing of the two culture or not really cultures but of the one culture and then like this new order they found where they're all united yeah i, I would hope so uh, moving on, Echo, Bellamy, and Indra find Maddie in the med tent with Gaia. Bellamy tells Maddie it's time for her to lead, but Maddie doesn't want to lead them into a massacre. Gaia says that Maddie should ask the commanders, and she shows her how to communicate with them. Maddie does, and after listening to them, says she has a plan. Um, so going through the step-by-step -step first, that look that Octavia gives Indra when Indra says we're all in the commander's army now um, is, is very inscrutable to me. Uh, I think it can go, you know, several different ways. What did you read into that look? I read it as as Octavia acknowledging that Indra shifted and like no that, that there is like an understanding now that this army doesn't belong to Octavia and Indra is on board with that and Octavia like sees that happening and that was like what that look was about. I kind of read it more as like Indra was almost challenging Octavia in that moment to like say something and Octavia kind of accepted the challenge and decided not to say something mm -hmm. and then she like decided to go with it. Oh, um, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I also really liked in this scene that Echo doesn't rely on Clark or hero worship her like the way that everyone does. I mean, Clark always comes through. I mean, we know that, but I wouldn't expect Echo to expect that of mm -hmm. her. And I like that she's got a plan B to make sure that, you know, even if Clark can't pull this off, that, that it'll be okay. Yeah. I, I very much appreciated it. And I really like that Echo has, like, a little bit more of a grounded understanding of, of who Clark is now, maybe mm -hmm. more than what everyone else does. I, I actually think Echo and and Clark understand each other very well yeah. right now and I really like I it. I like it too. I like I like them being on the same on the same foot or at the same page. We'll talk about this a little later, but my like uh, you know deepest hope for season 6 is that her and Ego can be kind of friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and I also liked seeing that Maddie is already proving that she is a benevolent and caring leader. I think this is very intentionally a stark contrast between her and Octavia you know she's visiting them at their bedside she's merciful she is caring she's nurturing I mean these are all qualities that Octavia could not exhibit um for better or for worse um as Blood Raina. it just wasn't part of her um persona and I I like the idea of Maddie being a very different kind of leader than mm -hmm. Octavia yeah, I, I also like that Maddie is able to talk to the commanders like this, to basically just, like, ask them a question and, and, and have them answer. Um, I think that gives us a lot of potential for storylines in the future um, yeah. about, like, what these people can tell her, and especially what Becca can tell her, because Becca lived in two worlds, um, the before, the apocalypse, and the after. Um, I, I do still, you know, believe that Becca might know something about Allegis because she was the one, especially Allegis 3, because she was the one who developed the Nightblood for the Allegis 3 mission. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm just, I'm curious if they're going to bring in more of that next season about, you know, Becca's secrets about that. I hope so. I hope that's, I mean, like, have we seen this kind of, like, direct line of communication before? I don't think so. Think what we saw from Lexa was always her dreaming about them. Yeah, I feel like this is new. I'm not saying, I mean, it's fine if this is 
you know, they're introducing it right now. Um, but I think that because they are, it must it must serve a reason. Um, and I hope that it's because of what you just said. Well, I think part of the reason was just they needed someone to have a plan and they had to figure out how they could figure out that plan. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. writers were like, let's do this. But I do think it makes sense in the context of what the flame is and what it should do to a person who has it inside them. Totally. Um, so I'm really excited to see where that goes in the future. Yeah, me too. And I, I liked that Gaia was the one to sort of help Maddie and become her Seta. I loved mm-hmm. that little m- moment. Um, and I I felt like Gaia and Indra's ex- look, look that they exchanged here was really important, and I liked the way that it, it felt like it completed their their arc this season. Um, I feel like a lot of the damage that has existed between them has finally been repaired, and they're in a much better place now. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that. I like that they took a little moment to show us that. That felt really good. I do, too. I think that Gaia's, and especially Indra's arcs this season, were really well done. Um, and, you know, i, I got to give credit where credit's due. Exactly. Because I really loved seeing both of their journeys. I agree. And their journeys together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one last note, the commander's gear is back. It's back. <laughs> um, I kind of need the, we okay, we all know this is a problematic thing. Um, the showrunners have said that it's supposed to represent the Viking helm of awe, which is what they wore, you know, in between their eyes and going into battle, so you know, to strike fear in their enemies and everything. But that said, the helm of awe was like a, chunk of wood that kind of like hung down between their eyes and I think it's a little bit different when you have something that very clearly looks like a bindi yeah um especially with white girls wearing it um I'm not sure when the commander's gear got introduced into this culture I don't think Becca wore it so I'm not sure you know why they started having that as part of their outfit but I do kind of hope going into season six that we can just get rid of it I don't think it's like she doesn't need it they know she's the Hedda yeah I mean I think it's a ceremonial kind of you know right but I I I feel very strongly that the grounder culture well it's already changed a lot and now that we're going to a totally new place with new aliens (laughs) yeah I it's time to really put the past in the past and like forge ahead for the future. Oh, I completely agree. I I would very much like a a new a new uh, order. I want some new traditions. Now I do think that the flame can be very useful for Maddie again to be able to talk to the commanders. Um, but that said, I I don't want it to be just the same grounder culture all over again. Yeah, I completely agree. So Shaw is being tortured while Raven watches on in horror. McCreary's men tell McCreary that one crew is waiting just outside the gorge, and McCreary knows it's time to end this with the missiles. So he amps up the torture and almost takes off Shaw's leg. At this, Raven breaks and tells McCreary she'll fly the ship. Um, so this was a really hard scene to watch. This was actually one of the harder scenes for me to watch in the show. Yeah, it, it was really brutal. We don't usually go for, like, visceral torture in this manner. You know, there was, like, the shock collar thing, which is which is one thing, but that feels very clinical almost. Yeah. But pulling someone's teeth out is so, so physical. Um. Well, we've gotten some really horrible torture scenes before on this show. I mean, in Mount Weather, they were literally drilling into their bones for bone marrow, and they tortured 
Lincoln season one. Um, I not just, that not that I want to compare torturers, but what they did to Lincoln was like nothing with what they were doing to Zeke. Here. I think at the time, though, for yeah, it was hard at the it, time, it, right? I mean, we didn't have all of the baggage that we have now, and at the time, it was really shocking. Um, and and I think every season like ups the stakes in terms of physical physicality and what's hard to endure, you know, as we get desensitized to it. But I have to agree that watching them pull out his teeth with a knife was one of the hardest things I've ever watched. Um, and I actually think they they cut down this scene because it was a uh, it was released early. They it, didn't cut down this. They scene. did. You you just think they did because the first time you watched it, it feels so long. Just because it's so shocking, and then watching it a second time, it feels a little bit shorter. No, I really think they cut it down. No, I went back and looked at it. They didn't cut it down. All right, fine. <laughs> anyway, I it was it felt like it lasted an eternity, yeah. and it was really hard to watch. Um, I'm also interested. Um, you know, Shaw was the one who was really worried that he'd break if Raven was tortured, and I liked the kind of reversal here that they ended up playing out which is that Raven broke because Shaw was tortured um and I kind of wonder like was she not worried about that before like they seemed so concerned about Zeke breaking but Raven also has all the skills that he does so she's just as viable a candidate to fly the plane and release the missiles no it's true I just maybe they they didn't know that they knew about how what Raven could do maybe they just assumed that well, they had to know because they knew Raven was the one who, like, organized the whole thing in episode three where, you know, they were holding the people hostage. And then in episode four when Zeke had to, like, fight against her to get back into the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they just assumed that McCreary would want to torture Zeke. That's true. <laughs> I do think he, I mean, like, yeah, he does not like Zeke. <laughs> no. Uh, so Raven, they torture Zeke through Raven is mm-hmm. what I meant. Yeah. Um, technical question. Zeke would have bled to death before he could fly the ship with that, like, bone cruncher thingy. So, I'm not sure, like, what McCreary's plan was here. Like, that seemed very stupid. And maybe his plan was getting Raven to do it. Because I think if he really wanted Zeke to do it, he would have been torturing Raven. Yeah. I mean, he did really want to just torture Zeke, but... Yeah. I guess so. But I agree, like, unless they were planning to, like, cauterize yeah. the Yeah, he was like, or... I'm taking off the leg. I was like, do any of you have surgical skills? No? Any? No? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have to say this scene was great, and I loved the nature of the torture scene as a callback to the first time that Zeke and Raven met. I thought that was a really nice circular element here. Um, and again, a very nice t- um, way to tie up their arc as well. Yeah, well, we saw Zeke kind of break in that episode when Raven was being tortured. And now she's the one breaking breaking. with him. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Clark talks her way into Dioza's cell and then knocks out the guard. Clark needs Dioza to help her stop the ship from leaving. And Dioza says it's hard enough to keep track of whose side Clark is on. And Clark quips that they have that in common. Yes, they do. Um, So two queens, one scene. I never stood a chance. (laughs) (laughs) But... But really, though, uh, starting off, I wanted to mention that guard who um, was guarding Dioza's cell was, like, the sexy Allegius prisoner from episode three who had, like, the teardrop on her eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kept wondering this whole season, like, they they really did zoom in on her in episode three, and I thought that she would be a major character. Or, like, not a major character, but more of a character. Mm -hmm. And I kept wondering where she was. (laughs) Here she is. Here she is. Here she is. She came back. 
Um, but really, though, I love seeing the similarities and the comparisons between Clark and Dioza. I think they're so, so similar as characters, as people. And I love how they play off each other because, you know, another Clark is just more fuel for the fire. Like, Clark herself, you know, gets gets shit done. Yeah, <laughs> and I like, I like that they introduced us to somebody who can challenge her because I yeah. think one of the problems is when you have a character that is always right, that does succeed, who is smarter than everyone else, you start to take a take it for granted um, and you lose a little bit of the stakes but when you introduce a character who does challenge her in that way who is just as smart as her and unpredictable um, suddenly the stakes are reset yeah and I really loved seeing them work together and I love that they know that they're they're equal you know yeah. that they're they're um, they recognize each other's power they do <laughs> they are not unaware of it um, and I think this scene proves it it was great I'm also I was so so convinced that Dioza probably wouldn't be in season six because the show does tend to get rid of its like seasons villains um by the end of the season but Dioza is gonna be in season six and I'm so happy yeah but I think that just proves even more that she really wasn't the villain you know McCreary was the big bad in the end I yeah, mean but we can the- argue about you know what that means well I'm I'm just using that in the sense that like Mc- Dioza was the villain, quote-unquote, in the same way that Dante was the villain back in season two. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't really a villain, but he still was the the, the villain. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He was the antagonist of the season. Yes. One of the main ones. And so was Dioza. And yeah. she played that role very well. <laughs> but I really like that, in, in unlike all the prior big bads or villains, however you want to um, antagonist, however you want to um, frame them, I like that this show changed their pattern Mm -hmm. and for her sake because she is so exceptional yeah in every way and I I don't think it was necessary before but I'm glad that they were like no we can't get rid of her like she's too amazing she makes every scene she's in better that much better (laughs) yeah Raven is about to fly the ship when Clark bursts into the bridge and tells Raven to cut the engines. Then Clark turns her gun on Dioza. McCreary asks if she's going to shoot a pregnant woman, and Clark says no, then his baby might live. Instead, she aims the gun at Dioza's stomach. Clark won't let her child die. Will McCreary? This was an interesting scene. Do we think Clark is bluffing here, or do you think she would have actually shot Dioza's fetus? That's a really hard question i think that the the issue is when you have um like a hostage in a sense once you get rid of them you have nothing so on a purely like like logical clinical sense i don't know if she would have gotten rid of dioza and and uh, dioza's baby just because then she'd have nothing to protect to her from mccreary yeah. um but from an emotional sense i, I have to believe she wouldn't i I don't know. I hope she wouldn't, but I don't know. I really don't know. I I guess if it, like, if it was, like, you have to shoot Maddie or you have to shoot Dioza's baby, you know, I think she'd probably shoot Dioza's baby. Yeah, but, yeah. but like, I, I, I'd have to hope that unless she has zero options left to her, yeah. she wouldn't. Um, I, and I also loved Dioza's face when Clark aims at her stomach. Um, I think Dioza was expecting, you know, Clark to take her hostage and to use her but like when she realized that Clark was using her baby and like the way that her face kind of falls and like kind of 
gets tight. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. It was like, you know, this is who your adversary really is. Yeah, like. yeah. I mean, I think they do understand and recognize each other, but I, I think, you know, threatening innocent children is like another level that Dioza wasn't expecting. Well, and in the same way that Clark is doing this for her child, Dioza's, I think, done a lot of this for her own. Right. She really wants this baby, and she wants to live happily ever after with this baby and, you know, take her to school and <laughs> let her live a normal life as normal as she can get on another yeah. planet. But <laughs> well, Maybe she'll have that at the new planet. I have, I mean, I'm really excited to meet baby Hope, who's now, like, what, 200 years old? <laughs> In utero? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also just loved, you know, re- seeing Raven so relieved when Clark comes to save them because it's very much like old times. Clark kind of coming in at the last minute and Raven knowing like, okay, Clark is here and on my side. Like we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's safe now. Yeah. All's well. So the Rover drives through the gorge. The plan is to draw the gunfire and then take out the two pillboxes. Echo shoots one of the energy cannons, which explodes the pillbox and Bellamy takes out the other, but Murphy gets shot trying to help them. When Maddie realizes that the two pill- pillboxes are gone, she tells one crew to charge. Um, Echo was such a badass in this scene. She ran out, shot that gun, and, like, aimed it perfectly so that it exploded. It was just like Legolas. It was. It was so good. It was so good with her bow and arrow, and I was just dying. It was amazing. Really, like, this entire scene, everything that Echo did, I was very excited about. And then there's, like, a really cute moment between her and Bellamy when she's like, if you miss, I'll never let you live it down. And I don't know. I just liked seeing them kind of, like, joke around in that way because both of them are always so serious that I think that I like seeing a little bit of levity, even in this kind of situation. Situation. I like that they're comfortable enough with each other that they, um, that they can, like, tease and mm-hmm. be affectionate. It's very sweet. Um, also, shout out to my boy Murphy. He has <laughs> really transformed into a hero in this scene. I mean, we have come so far from where we started this season, and I, I really do like his arc as well. I thought that was another one that they did very well. Um, I, I love him. And the way that they handled him and Amori's relationship, and we can yeah. talk about that a little bit more. But I think, on a singular level, what what Murphy went through this season, I thought they did very nicely. Um, and I just liked Amori's face looking at him. I agree. I loved seeing Murphy this season really be a team player and really have people that he is willing to go to bat for. That's not just Amori, right? And like people to sacrifice. He's for. he's risked himself so many times this season to save Raven, to save Bellamy, to save you know all of Whoever, these people right. who he loves. And I like that he now has that family that he feels like he belongs to and that accepts him even in his dark times, and that he's willing to fight for. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. I also, uh, I really loved seeing Octavia back up Maddie here in this scene. Just, you know, the, the switch from Octavia being Bloodrena to her being kind of a, not an advisor, but like a, a second to, to Maddie and to be behind her, like giving her support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when she like tells Maddie, take us home, like that is what Octavia wanted to do so badly this season was to take them home. And now she's not the one who gets to do that. It's Maddie and she's kind of, letting Maddie have that. Yeah, it was very touching. I really liked it. 
McCreary hears over the radio that his people are retreating. Clark tells him it's over, but instead, McCreary goes to the computer and types in a launch code. A code that will turn the Hethelodium on the Allegis ship into a bomb that will destroy the entire valley. And so here we have it, folks. Chekhov's inevitable huge-ass missile gun that <laughs> finally went off. Yeah. <laughs> you introduce a missile at the beginning of the season <laughs> you're gonna have to use it eventually these are the laws of writing <laughs> um but my question here is why did clark hesitate i mean she has been ruthless all season doing what she perceives what she needs to do what she has to do and now that the fate of the entire world rests on her shoulders she hesitates and lets mccreary destroy everything like why didn't she just shoot him um I'm trying to remember exactly how that scene went. I think at first she was confused and no one really explained until the end what he was doing. Dioza very clearly said, shoot him, he will destroy us all. Shoot him now. I think, again, there's the thing, if Clark shoots him now, McCreary's people are going to shoot her and Dioza and, like, all of her friends. Like, I think she was in a weird position and she hesitated and hesitating in the second, you know, basically meant that he was able to, t to type in the launch codes um had it been a different situation you know maybe she would have shot him but i do think it was like there was a lot at stake here in this moment and she just like froze yeah because she was very confused it was like a very quick turnaround for him it just kind of felt like again like plot fodder like i feel like the clark that i know would have been more decisive in that moment and i'm not sure I'm not sure I loved the way that this played out. Well, I don't think that this is the Clark that we know. I think this Clark has not been operating at peak Clark all season. And I also think that she has Maddie and Maddie's safety very much in her mind. And right now she's the only one standing in between them and flying the missile ship. So if she dies, Maddie's going to die too. Yeah. There was just there was a lot at stake. I here hear what you're saying. It just doesn't read that well to me. Like the scene just didn't work that well for me. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I can't believe they actually went with the if I can't have this valley, no one can like because yeah, was just <laughs> cheesy villain line number one. <laughs> oh my god. But also, does McCreary really think that Clark's just going to leave her child and go to space with them? McCreary's <laughs> really dumb. He is really dumb. He's a pretty dumb dude. He's hot. He's dumb. <laughs> uh, there's 14 minutes until the bomb impacts. McCreary says the only way for them now to survive is to fly the shuttle back to the Allegis ship. At first, it seems like Clark agrees, and she threatens to electrocute Raven if she doesn't fly. Raven is horrified, but at the last minute, she realizes Clark is signaling to her. When Clark electrifies Raven's collar, Raven jumps on McCreary and takes him down. Shaw then shoots the rest of McCreary's men on the bridge, and then Clark kills McCreary. So I loved that despite their fraught relationship, Raven still trust Clark to come up with a plan to save them like at the beginning she was like a little unsure what was going on and very much like how dare you betray me but then the second that Clark was like no I have a plan like Raven was on board like let everything else go f fall away um and then they are just so in sync like they they haven't really known each other for a long time they haven't been Clark and Raven for a long time and mm -hmm. yet they she was still able to intuit the plan that Clark was was signaling to her to do and it was it was really great I loved it 
Yeah, and I, I do love that we at least got this between them before, you know, the end of this season. I still am furious we didn't get a moment between the two of them to actually have a conversation. Yeah, no, I think that this was supposed to serve that sort of reunion. It and doesn't it serve does, that. It doesn't. It, it absolutely does not. Action is never a substitute for conversation. No. Um, was it necessary, though, for Clark to stomp McCreary's face in? Yes, I think it was. I don't think it was. Oh, I think it was. Shoot him in the head. But you stomped him to death. That's gross. That's a gross body. I don't mind. I do. I don't want his guts and his brains spilling out all over the bridge. They, they have to clean it up. They can shoot him into space. Well, they still have to clean it up, is what I'm saying. It's just a very messy death that did not really seem necessary. No, I thought it was perfectly necessary. He just destroyed the world, so I'm fine with that. Okay. The Allegis crew gathered in the village, and they're suddenly surrounded by one crew soldiers. Maddie wants to kill them at first, but Bellamy tells her that he's been in their position. The hundred were once the invaders, and Maddie now has the chance to break the cycle and be better than them all. Oh my god, what a great emotion or motivational speech from the universe's best dad, Bellamy Blake. <laughs> oh my god, this was so wonderful. I loved everything about this. It was great. Yeah, I, I really do think we've been kind of down on Bellamy a lot this season about, you know, how his character has changed in those six years. Um, and I still do stand by what I said in the first half of the season, especially that he was thinking way too much with his head and, and not enough with his heart, with his emotions. And I, I've loved in the last few episodes really seeing that emotional side come back. And I think this now feels, now at the end of the season, this Bellamy 2.0 feels like a much more holistic Bellamy who's using both his head but also using the best parts of Bellamy 1.0, which was his heart and, you know, his, his motivational speeches and his ability to change people's minds with his words. Um, it was just – it was a wonderful moment, and I feel like we got our Bellamy back. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like this is, like, a perfectly balanced um, – he has found equilibrium with himself, mm -hmm. and I love seeing that, and it really comes across because – you know, in the first half of the season, he really was coming up against a lot of tension. You know, every time he did something, it didn't really work. Yeah. Um, and now that he has found this equilibrium within himself, you know, he is so much more powerful and persuasive as this version of him. And it, it everything goes so much smoother. And I love that the show, that the writers are showing that to us. Yeah, I do think that looking back on this season Bellamy is the real hero of the season out of everyone um which is a nice change because we've had Bellamy be not necessarily the villain but the antagonist of you know a season before so I I really did feel like he kind of came into his own finally yeah I really liked it um and I also love the idea of him being an advisor to Maddie just because I think that out of everyone Bellamy and Gaia, her two advisors, are, like, the best people she could have behind her to, like, lead her in the right direction. I agree. Please never let Gaia go. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. One last thing I wanted to touch on is I just felt like this whole speech here was a really great reminder and callback to season one and how all of this started. How the hundred began. Yeah. Um... And it was really nice to see them bring it up and sort of boil this all down to us versus them in a way that 
is asking us also as the viewers to like expect better to do better Mm -hmm. and put that on Maddie who is like a child still and like the way she symbolizes the future I thought was just very touching and very well done especially knowing what happens at the end of this episode (laughs) um it does feel like a nice uh finale for this first book of the show yeah and as he was saying this speech I was thinking back to season one and I was like thinking you know yes they were the invaders but really they just were kids and like the grounders were the ones who started like shooting at them but then I remembered oh yeah Clark was the one who started this war here yes they were you know criminals but she was the one who was murdering them first yeah, she so, shot him. so it was a really nice I think tie in there yeah it was um and I loved his last line about you can be better than them but also you can be better than us mm-hmm. just Bellamy saying like we've all made so many mistakes um none of us is innocent here but you have the chance to like take us in a new direction yeah to to make us better people to learn from all of our mistakes and not make them again (laughs) before maddie can say anything a siren wails and raven tells everyone over the intercom to get back to the transport ship immediately murphy doesn't think he can make it so harper leads the hurt one crew to the ship while monty and amori stay behind Amori won't leave Murphy, and he can't walk, so instead, Monty carries him. I thought this was a really nice callback to last season when Murphy went back to save Monty um, when they were fleeing the planet the first time. Um, And now that it's reversed with Monty staying behind to save Murphy, it was just, again, a really nice symmetry that I appreciated a lot. And I do think that Monty has felt kind of deep down that he owes Murphy for mm-hmm. that. And it's nice that I think he can finally pay him back for what he did. But also, I think Monty has grown to really love Murphy as a brother. Well, yeah, of course. No, I, but I mean, like, in a way that at the beginning of this season, I, I don't know if that were... I mean, like, I think, like brothers, like, he was really fed up with Murphy. And I think by the end of the season, Monty feels like Murphy's... Proved himself. Proved himself again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also love this little mini call out that Murphy was like, deja vu. Monty was it. Monty said it. Oh, Monty Yeah, Monty said it. And I was like, yep. It's like we just watched this a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but kind of moving on to the Amori and Murphy part of this. So are they officially together now going forward? Like, I, I'm not really sure if we're supposed to think that they're now a couple again. Um, personally, I worry they didn't get the individual growth and the relationship growth they needed, especially now that they're going back into space. Yeah, I think, um, I don't want to speculate, so maybe they're not a couple, maybe that was just, like, in the moment. You don't want to speculate? What do we do on this show? (laughs) I just, like, I feel like you could chalk it up to, like, it was, like, they were dying, and Memoria was, like, I'm still in love with you, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can, like, be a couple. Oh, I agree. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't think so, but also, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the show was just, like, okay, we wrapped that up, all better now, you know? Like, I feel, I feel like I hope they wouldn't do that, but but they've been taking a lot of shortcuts, so I don't know. Yeah, I I have to, I mean, like, the old writers maybe wouldn't, but I feel like this last season, the quality went down in terms of writing characters, um, and I, I do think that they just took a shortcut. Yeah, I think it was a shortcut, but I, I'm going to save, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I actually see that happen. Um, I'm going to judge now, and maybe I'll change my mind later, but I do <laughs> feel like they have signified that they're together again, and I... 
while I do think Murphy got a lot of personal growth this season, I, number one, don't know if Amori got that same kind of growth on her side. Um, and I also don't think that the issues that Amori broke up with him because of are gone. No, especially um, now that they're going back into space. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I guess they're going back for only a little while, but I, I just feel like there's still a lot between them that they need to sort out before they can really be in a relationship again and be devoted to each other. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of unhealthy baggage between the two of them. They have really unhealthy habits, and by them I mostly mean Murphy, but Amori keeps taking him back, so that's also unhealthy in itself. Um, and until you work that out, I, I can't fully condone them being back together I have a problem with it I I do at least hope that if they are back together that they'll at least be a little bit more open and honest with each other about how they're feeling and 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 you know just just to like save that relationship and and make it a better relationship even if they're just going to barrel forward into it you know yeah yeah um just like a little moment here Harper left Monty really quickly she was just like okay peace and like left which, if my boyfriend were like, I want to stay behind and help someone, even though there's, like, what, six minutes left before the world ends, I'd be a little worried. No, I would have been like, that's nice, and grabbed him by the back yeah. of his shirt. <laughs> but I do think it just signifies how much trust she has in Monty. Yeah, it was, nice. it was a sweet moment. Um, and also, just another little thing, it's hilarious that Jessica Harmon told Richard Harmon that he was going to die and should be left behind. I know, <laughs> it was so great. I feel like they did that just for us. Yeah. That was, like, a completely unnecessary, like, it wasn't necessary for, for Nyla to be the one to say that. Like, it could have been any character. Mm-hmm. And they just gave that to us as like a wink wink oh Nyla it was so funny I'm not gonna get into Nyla this season but if they don't write Nyla better next season I'm gonna sue (laughs) okay give her a character arc you would have grounds I would have grounds you would okay (laughs) Clark is waiting at the dropship door when Maddie and one crew appears Clark doesn't want the Allegius crew to be saved, but Maddie has decided they will be. Bellamy convinced her. Clark realizes that Abby is not there and wants to go get her, but Echo stops her, saying they've left a group to go door to door and someone will bring her in. So Clark has this same knee-jerk reaction to the miners um, that Maddie originally had, which is that they both wanted to kill them immediately, <laughs> um, which kind of signifies to me that it was it was really her influence over Maddie that prompted that behavior rather than the flame. And I think we get further proof of that because Bellamy asked Maddie at the time, like, is that what the commanders in your head are telling you? And Maddie responded, I don't need the flame to know, blah, blah, blah. So again, I really like the idea of Maddie picking up these kind of behaviors um, subconsciously or, you know, unintentionally learned behavior from Clark and seeing her exhibit them and then watching Bellamy kind of this in the same way that he tempers Clark also tempered Maddie. I just thought that was very well done and I really liked it. I I mean, I agree with you that this is a lot of Clark's influence, but I also feel like Bellamy was being naive and saying this isn't what the flame would tell you to do because most of those commanders lived by blood must have blood. Um, so like Lexa might have said, you know, maybe don't kill them. And maybe Becca would have said that. But I think a ton of them in there would be like, kill them all. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're not wrong. But I, I think I can let that go for the for the, the other stuff. That's, well, sure. Of yeah. course. I mean, like, it's a nitpick. It's not even a nitpick. It's just it's tiny. I think the, the flame would have told her the same thing. But I really loved um, seeing Clark kind of take in the fact that Bellamy has been mentoring Maddie in, in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
just because number one, like we just mentioned, Clark has had such a, I think an, I want to say a negative impact on Maddie this season about the way that she's behaved and the way that she's treated human life. Yeah. And to be able to see Bellamy kind of swinging back, back um, Maddie around to the side that human life always has value, um, I think is also really important for Clark to see because without Bellamy, I think she's lost a lot of that. Like, all other things aside, Clark and Bellamy together are always better than Clark and Bellamy apart. Yes. I think they lose bits of themselves when they're apart. Um, so I, I just liked seeing that Bellamy is also reminding Clark of, like, this is how good guys behave. <laughs> yes, yes. And also, like, you have lost your perspective, but here, let me show you what you used to be yourself. Yeah. Long time ago. Long time ago. Um, and I also loved this really interesting Clark and Echo interaction here um, where Clark wanted to go back and get her mother and Echo's like no it's okay someone's gonna bring her in I wasn't quite sure um, where their relationship would stand after last episode and here it does feel like so respectful and so like reassuring in a sense um, from Echo to Clark and I, I just I found that so refreshing and I really, really want this dynamic to continue in season six. Me too. I really liked this. It, I was worried about it. I was expecting something with like a little bit more venom, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was very sweet. Um, and I really liked it. And I just have to call out like the fact that, excuse me, the fact that Echo thought about sending people door to door was incredibly smart and very impressive given how little time they had to prepare and execute this evacuation. Like, the fact that she thought about that is amazing. Yeah. Because I would have been like, peace! (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the clinic, Abby's trying to operate on Kane when Octavia comes in. Abby refuses to leave, and Octavia says, or tries to say that it's not a choice, but Abby says it is. At this, Octavia reminds Abby that she's also responsible for what Octavia had to do in the bunker, and Abby agrees, but she still won't leave Kane. At this, Octavia has a better idea. I loved this scene. I thought this scene was really well done, and it was um, a nice example of what the show can do in very little time Mm -hmm. with character interactions. Um, I, I do think it was necessary that Abby needed to be called out on the fact that, you know, she was responsible just because Octavia had to do the dirty work it doesn't mean that Abby wasn't the one who convinced her to do it um and I just I I I do think going forward now that Octavia is not going to die she has to get some sort of redemption plot but I think it also needs to be stated by other characters like um cough cane cough yeah that Octavia is not solely responsible for what she had to do to keep her people alive and she did keep them alive I don't know if she could have if she was softer. No, I agree. I think I loved this scene. It was so important and significant. Um, I didn't, I mean, I loved that Abby was like, no, you're right. I, it was me too. I did it. But I do, I do need Kane to also come around to that idea. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting that Octavia was the one to stay behind and go door to door to collect the strays. I feel like she probably volunteered for this mission kind of as a way to make up for the fact that her sacrifice was interrupted you know before and I I like the idea of her trying to figure out a way of making amends and making up for all of the things that she has done and this is just one of the ways that she's starting to do that 
Yeah, this is definitely one step forward in her redemption. Yeah. Um, especially not just that she went door to door, but that she told Abby, like, I will help you bring Kane in. Yes. Yeah, I agreed. Three minutes until impact, Maddie goes over to Bellamy and says he has to forgive Clark. Bellamy doesn't believe Clark really cares about him, but Maddie then reveals that Clark calls him every day on the radio for six years. So I love that, like, Maddie just walks up in the middle of this catastrophe and, like, talks to Bellamy like they're in therapy. She's, like, this totally casual way, like, they're eating breakfast or something. They have nothing else to do. And, I mean, Maddie had just been, like, staring at Clark, staring at Bellamy, and she's like, I gotta take care of this. It's so cute. Maddie is the biggest Bellark shipper of all time. Maddie is a gift to us all. <laughs> um, and more seriously, I am very glad this was said, but... I think Clark and Bellamy should have been the one who got the chance to talk about it themselves. Like, this, I feel, isn't quite enough for Bellamy to forgive Clark without a discussion. Because, yes, she called him every day for six years, but then she left him to die. And they, there, there's a lot of baggage between them this season. Oh, my God, yeah. That I agree. is, like, sitting at the door and it's not being taken care of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is, like, another shortcut that they took. And I do like that Maddie was the one who revealed it. I think that was... That's what I really wanted was for her to be like, listen, pal. Well, Clark would have never, never said, said it. That. Um, but I did want to see something like Bellamy confront her about it later. Like, why didn't you tell me? Like something along those lines and then talk about what it really means. Well, I don't need them. I don't need them to talk about her calling him for six years. I just. No, I wanted that to be the entryway into like a bigger conversation. I don't even need him to let her know that he knows. What I just wanted between them was. A discussion to clear the air about how much they've changed these last six years and how they have to like figure out how to find their way back to um their each other i mean in, i'm using very broad sense of yes. the words here but but they they just needed to talk about everything that happened this season so they could become a family again yeah and i liked that when clark saw maddie and bellamy talking like she was really nervous i think i think she i liked that the idea of like her being worried about how much maddie knows about clark and bellamy and like the power that she has over the two of them i think clark's like a little nervous <laughs> i actually don't think that that occurred to clark at all really i think that clark keeps stuff so um internalized and yes, she told Maddie these stories, and yes, she called Bellamy every day, but I, I don't think even Clark really understands what that means for their relationship or what that means for her own feelings. Um, so why would she expect Maddie to understand? <laughs> I don't know if I meant that she understood, like, a deeper meaning, but I think, like, because she's, like, talked about Bellamy so much, I think she just would know that Maddie has, like, a lot of history between the two of them. I Yes, I agree, but I, I still see this as, like... You know the scene um, in episode 9, the good scene that we got, where Bellamy goes in to Clark and he's like, I'm going to rescue you, then we'll go to the valley together. Um, and then he, like, reveals about, you know, him poisoning Octavia. And Clark's like, you did what you have to do. It was to save your friends. Yeah. Um, just, like, I don't think she ever, like, includes herself yeah. in these kinds of relationships in the same way that she's like, I wasn't a hero. Yeah. She just doesn't put herself into situations. She, like, sees everyone else outside of her acting and thinks of them as the true heroes and she's just like this person who gets things done that other people won't do yeah i'm going on a tangent here yeah a little but i do think that i don't think that she considers maddie knowing anything about her and bellamy at all <laughs> i just okay. don't think she does um uh, moving on 
Abby and Octavia come running, carrying Kane. Bellamy tells them all to go inside, but he still waits. Their time is up, and Clark says he has to come inside, but he tells her he can't live, leave his friends. Not again. But as the ten-second countdown starts, Monty, Amori, and Murphy arrive, and together they all run into the dropship. Once they're inside, Clark pulls the lever and shuts the dropship, dropship door, and Raven flies them into space. So... Bellamy's face when he was like I can't do that again I mean it's very clear that he's talking about you know him leaving Clark behind last time and how he never really forgave himself for that and he's just really not capable of making that decision again and leaving his friends um and I it's it's really similar to how Clark couldn't betray Bellamy again after learning he was still alive like they made really hard decisions really painful decisions and confronting the idea of having to make them over again is just like they they can't do it yeah i i did like that just like in last scene um when bellamy discovers how much clark really does care about him mm-hmm. um i think it's nice for clark to see here how much it really affected bellamy to leave her behind the first time yeah um because he's now literally willing to die rather than leave his friends again yeah uh <laughs> Murphy being Murphy with his uh 10 seconds left time to spare, to spare quote is just he's such a delight everything he says I love him so much and he's his humor is so necessary on this show yeah. like it, it this show would be so hard to watch without these tiny moments of levity mm-hmm I mean, like, he's just a gift. He is a gift. I need him to stay on this show. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, we get Jason Rothenberg's lever porn um, with Clark pulling that damn lever again. This time, though, we see her kind of watching Earth as the door shuts because she doesn't know if or when she'll see Earth again. Yeah, it was very touching. And knowing how this episode ends... It's especially touching in in hindsight. Yeah, and I know, like, some people get really tired of the lover theme. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, it, I like, feel very strongly that we need a lover at the end of every season. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel complete to me without it. So I really liked it. I did. And I like all the different iterations of the lover. Yeah. And, like, how they figure out how to incorporate it into the episode. Clark pulling it once, then Clark and Bellamy pulling it together, then Bellamy pulling it, then Clark pulling it. You know, you know <laughs> it's, all, like- it's all great. It's all great. On the Allegius ship, Bellamy finds Clark, who reassures him that Murphy and Guy will be okay, but Kane is in a coma and isn't looking great. Bellamy says they can put him in cryosleep, and before Clark leaves to tell her mother, Bellamy tells her to come to the bridge afterward where they'll be deciding the fate of the human race again. Clark is surprised that he doesn't seem to be mad at her, and Bellamy says the commander ordered him not to be. I did think it was cute that Bellamy asked after the two people in critical condition that he cares about the most, meaning Murphy and Kane. I thought that was really cute. I mean, I agree with you, but I, I personally think, like, technically he didn't ask about Gaia, but I do think he would have asked about Gaia before asking about Kane. I don't know. I still think he thinks of Kane as, like, a father figure to him. Yeah, and but even... I think he's grown a lot closer to Gaia this season, and Kane is, like, a distant memory in many ways. Like, he barely saw him at all this season. So I just, I don't know. I feel like... Gaia would have taken verse billing over Kane in this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> um, so this scene, there's just so much left undiscussed between them that has built up over this season specifically. Things that really need to be said. And it's frustrating and unrealistic that they're going to go into cryosleep without having a real conversation. Yeah. Um, 
And it's frustrating from a storytelling point of view. Just you need to give these characters more closure than like Maddie told me not to be mad at you. Like it's, right. that's not enough. That is called a cheat. Yeah. That's that's not good storytelling. Um, and it's not like they don't have the time. Like the emergency levels have now gone away. Like we we're just sitting in space. Like yeah. plenty of time to talk. And they just don't. Which um, is why I'm frustrated this episode that it was so plot heavy. Yeah. Again, it should have really been like Murphy, or I mean, uh, McCreary drops Damocles at the end of last episode. And then this episode is all just them getting to the ship and then leaving and then talking. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that would have been way better. The pacing is a little bit off. Um, it needs to be like Game of Thrones, where like the really big episode is the one right before the last episode. Um, the last episode is just like, like an resolution. Epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I mean, but I think like when you look at like, you know, not to get too technical here, but when you chart like the the story like on a graph like the climax happens like you know a little bit past midway then you have like you know like the like denouement and then that like last bit is resolution like you need a button at the end you need a moment to take stock of everything that has happened and reconcile with it and i don't think that they did that very well before they barreled into like the the new revelation of what's to come yeah. i mean they didn't take stock of anything they just went to sleep yeah um I do want to talk about this interaction between Clark and Bellamy because to me it felt like there was a new layer of nervousness here which can be attributed to the fact that they haven't really cleared the air fully but I also think we can interpret this as both them finally being aware that they're attracted to the other person like they're not aware that each other are attracted to each other Mm -hmm. but like Clark is finally aware that she's attracted to Bellamy and Bellamy is very aware that he is attracted to Clark And it just feels like there's this new level of shyness to them. And when Clark or when Bellamy asked Clark to meet him later, you know, to decide the fate of the world again, you know, it kind of felt like they were making a date. It did. I won't lie. And I'm trying very hard to look at this objectively and not through shipper goggles. But like if I were a brand new human who had never seen any any part of this show before and walked in on this scene, like I would immediately look at these two characters and be like, oh, there's something going on here they like each other yeah it does seem like crushing situation yeah like a crush which is interesting because these two characters have so much history together that the idea of them having a crush on each other seems so inconsequential like so so tiny compared to the uh, level of their feelings but that's what it read like is that it was like a crush I think going into this without having seen anything I would agree with you I think given everything that we know what I think is happening in this scene well, number one, I agree that they haven't cleared the air, and that kind of leads to a shyness. But I think there's a lot. They're, they're realizing that there's so much more about each other that they don't know, and especially so much more about their relationships with each other. Um, for example, Bellamy finding out that Clark calls him every day, and then Clark seeing how much it affected Bellamy to leave her. Um, I think that kind of adds to the shyness of, like, they realize they kind of have to relearn who the other person is. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right. But I also do think, from a layman's point of view... It looks romantic. <laughs> it looks romantic, and the actors are acting it like romantic. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I've always thought they acted that way, but then off screen, they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, yeah, they they are very much like, it's platonic. It's always platonic, but like, whatever. <laughs> Let's not get Let's into not that. Get into that. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, I love 
how they have to again decide the fate of the human race. Like that's got to get old after the first few times they that you do it. They must be so tired of this. <laughs> so Bellamy walks past Octavia and doesn't invite her to the bridge. Dioza appears and tells Octavia that she wasn't invited either. She says that Octavia that Octavia's mistake as a leader was liking the power, which is the kiss of death. And at that, Octavia realizes that she and Dioza are largely responsible for the destruction of Eden. I loved this scene so much. Yeah. Like the, this is a, another really great example of like the kind of character interaction that I wanted mm-hmm. from this episode. It was spectacular. I love this is the runner up for my favorite scene. I love seeing Octavia and Dioza together because they're so different, but yet they have those qualities of, um, of needing power that are kind of the same. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really like the, the fact that Bellamy just like completely ignored Octavia. I mean, it's obvious that they still have a lot to work through themselves. Um, and it's nice that for the, for the first time, he's finally the one to make her question the nature of their relationship and not the other way around. Yeah. Like it finally feels like the pal, the, the balance of power has shifted into his, his, um, to his side instead of Octavia holding all of the power. So that's interesting. Um, Agreed. And I have to question, you know, of course Octavia wasn't invited to the bridge. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But why the hell wasn't Dioza invited? I don't know. She's smarter than almost anyone there. She should have been on that bridge. And it's not like, you know, she has anyone to work against at this point. Like, she's carrying a baby. Like, she is going to do whatever is best for everyone so that she can save the baby like there's no ulterior motives here she would just be helpful I don't know I don't know man I don't know and I also really loved um Dioza sitting there spouting out proverbs and wisdom like a Yoda I mean (laughs) like she is so wise in a lot of ways um and this is like the role that I envisioned for her moving forward like I like her being like in a, like a little house like a little cottage with her baby and like people come to her as like a therapist and be like I don't know what to do and like Dio's is like well here let me explain it to you like like a motherly kind of figure I, really I do um lament the fact that we never really found out more about her backstory but I will let that go um but I still don't know if the show showed us what it thought it did um I think I have to amend my earlier statement about her and about Octavia and Dioza both liking power because I don't feel like Dioza has that same liking power issue that Octavia had. Well, I don't think Dioza is addicted to it um, in the way that Octavia was addicted well, to yeah, power. Well, yeah, okay. Um, but I do think that Dioza enjoys being a leader. I think she likes to be in charge. I think she likes taking charge and she likes leading people. Mm-hmm. But Octavia needed it in a way that I think that's what Dioza is trying to say here. It's like your problem was that you liked it too much. Yeah. Like Dioza likes it for sure. But not to the excess that, you know, everything in moderation. And yeah. I think Dioza, that's like Dioza's greatest quality is that she is able to be moderate and that she ha- is really great at self-control in a way that Octavia has no self-control ever. I like that interpretation a little bit better because I was thinking back to sometime in the middle of this season when Kane told Dioza that she was like just like Octavia, that she was a dictator, and the show seemed to support him. And it was very confusing to me because those were, that, that was not what I saw at all. No, no, I don't see it that way either. It's 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 I think it's everything in moderation is okay. what is the line they're trying to show in the sand, and Octavia is on one side and Dioza is on the other. I get that. I can get yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I do think it's very true for Octavia, though. This show has done a really good job of showing us this side of her, and it was a really nice 
tying up of her character this season to show her kind of listening to Dioza talking about her addiction to power mm-hmm. and recognizing that finally within herself. I mean, I think she sees it now. Like, she's fully aware of where she went wrong and what's the issue here. And it's it's an internal issue. I don't know if this is going to happen, but something I'd really love to see next season would be for Dioza to become... Um, Almost, not not just a friend, but like not an advisor, but just someone who can who Octavia can go to therapist. A, a, yeah, a therapist. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I want her to be their therapist. They but need I, it. <laughs> I just I really like the way they interacted here, and I think that there's a lot that Dioza can give to Octavia in terms of Dioza also knows what it feels like to have people that you once cared about turned against you because, you know, her own men are the one who came and killed Dioza's father and, you know, was the reason why Dioza tried to kill herself back when she turned into a terrorist. Um, maybe it's, like, a little bit different. A little but different. It's really not when you think about no, it. No, the, the, the bones are the same. Um, yeah, I, like, I really like that idea, too. And there are a lot of similarities between them. You know, I think all of the different women they have on this show, they're all strong and interesting in their own ways, but there is a common thread that kind of weaves between them all Clark, Dioza, Octavia, Raven I mean these are very very smart women who are put into like really challenging and and horrible situations and the way that they act and the way the things that they decide to do I think having all of these different nuances and shades of gray between them if you like look at them all as like a spectrum I think is one of the show's greatest strengths Mm -hmm. Um, and it's sort of like gift to us of like all of these women who like go through all of these things and like the differences in their character that really shows is is great i agree um i last just wanted to call out the two serpents one garden eden never stood a chance line which we heard in that weird ass promo oh my god it was so weird that i really liked and i um now having seen the season I'm a little confused because I still think the show is telling us that Octavia and Dioza are the ones responsible for what happened to this valley. In, I mean, in large part. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think Dioza was like that. Dioza was like, you can surrender. I'll take your people. Like, I'll, you know, give them a home. Like, just, just come and stop trying to attack us. And it'll be fine. <laughs> right. No, I completely agree. I think there is, an again, an issue between what the show thinks it's doing and what it's showing us. I just don't think that Dioza was a serpent. But that's No, I don't think she was a serpent at all. Uh, on the bridge, we see that Earth is completely dead. Shaw tells everyone that it'll be at least 10 years before the valley comes back, and their only option is to go into cryo. Bellamy leaves the decision up to Maddie, who decides in favor of the cryopods. So before we talk really about the scene, I wanted to talk about what the hell was Dioza's plan that involved Elegius III. Because we got um, that scene last episode between Dioza and Kane and McCreary, where McCreary said that Dioza basically wrote out this whole plan for the survival of humanity, and it involved Elegius III in some way, shape, or form. I agree, and I also think it's completely unbelievable that like everybody goes to sleep, like decide, all right, we're going to use the pods everybody go to sleep everybody goes to sleep and wakes up and we never see dioza like we never see her being like hey i have a i have an idea like by the way like she just like assumingly 
goes along with this plan and like doesn't raise any issues well, about it. I want to know what her idea was. We, we never really found out what the plan was. It could have just been. I, I honestly have no idea. No, what but it was. I'm just saying that like even if her plan was this plan, which I don't think it was, um, I still think she would have been like, um, hello, like, why are we going to sleep? Like, I've been on this ship for 100 plus years or whatever. I just think it's completely unreasonable that they didn't show her at some point after this. It does feel a little too convenient, given that we know she had a plan, we know it involved Legius Three, and yet they all went to sleep for 125 years so Monty could figure out, oh, Allegius Three might have found a better way. Yeah, <laughs> that it was it was rough. That was really rough. <laughs> also, how did they decide who gets to be in this room deciding the fate of the world? I mean, we know that these are like our heroes in the show. Um, it's not surprising to see most of them in this room, but I just like want to know, like, how did they? Like, what was that conversation like? To Who, be like, who's gonna challenge them? I, I just like I know, but it's just it's a strange sort of, you know, I think it's just a strange sort of thing where they just like take advantage that. Or just, like, assume that they're already in charge? I don't know. But they are in charge. I mean, like, McCreary's men aren't going to challenge them. Maddie's the one who just saved half of their lives. So Maddie, I think, definitely should be in that room. Bellamy's her advisor. He should be in that room. Clark's her mother. She should be in that room. You know, Bellamy's space crew, which is his family, should be in that. Like, I I just think it's, like, who else? (laughs) No, I agree with you, who else. It's just, I don't know. I just would be, like, would I have, like, the ego to be like all right i'm gonna decide the fate of the world now i mean i think that's how leadership works is that some people just step in and other people let them and that's kind of why they're the leaders yeah no i like that i think that's fine i was just i was a genuine question yeah um is it worrisome though to anyone that maddie is apparently going to be making the major decisions going forward that's what this the scene seems to say yeah i was worried about that too and i think it goes back to your earlier question or or hope for season six in that like maybe forging a new path for one crew like maybe not letting a 14 year old or i'm how old is she 12 like yeah 12 year old make all of your decisions like she's a mature person for being 12 but she's not an adult like maybe have a different kind of government moving forward <laughs> although i will say kind of flipping back around the adults are the ones who like killed this world multiple times so maybe maybe a child will do better yeah maybe <laughs> but it did feel like odd that she was making the final decision like maybe like keep her part of the the discussion right but then figure out another way i feel like maybe like take a vote vote (laughs) that's what i was gonna say what about a democracy democracy. what about a democracy (laughs) although the arc had a democracy no they did well they did they did but they elected leaders it was a republic it was a republic well no it was a democracy but it wasn't like a a total democracy they called themselves a democracy. They, I mean, like, they were a democracy in the same way that America's, like, kind of a democracy. Yeah, it was really. dysfunctional, for sure. But that's what happens. Power corrupts. But maybe just, like, a, a vote of the populace. <laughs> you know? God. Or at least the important people. McCreary's men don't get a vote. You guys are hot messes. Committed um, felonies. They don't get votes anyway. Yeah, you are murderers. <laughs> well, not that everyone's a murderer now, but you liked it. <laughs> Um, I, I also don't know how cryo wasn't like the assumed thing that was going to happen because there were some of them that thought that like they were going to survive on, on Monty's algae for 10 years. Yeah. I have no when idea. you have 500 cryo, like why the hell would you like consider anything else? 
I don't know. I have no answer for that. <laughs> that seemed very strange to me too. Um, it is nice though that for once they don't have to make a list of who's going to live or die. Like <laughs> there's no culling. There's plenty of beds for everyone. That was nice. That yeah. was a nice reprieve from our usual fare on this show. <laughs> I agree. I was a little surprised because it seems like from earlier episodes there were only 300 cryopods. It seemed like they were all being used by the prisoners. Um, but there were no surprise 500. So perfect. Cryopods despair. <laughs> yeah. Cryo- lots of cryopods. Some people get two. <laughs> um, and I did like again that the the phrase only option was used again here as always. It always comes around. It's a central pillar of this show, and I I really like that they brought it back again. Um, and my last note for this scene is I just thought it was really cute when Maddie was like, "Time for bed." <laughs> it's very sweet. Um, I have a couple of just tiny science issues with this scene. The first being. Zeke tells them that the ship only has a tiny water recycler, and I know this is a small nit to pick, but this is a transport ship that they lived on while they were going to another, well, I don't really know, it was like an asteroid or whatever, but they lived on this ship while they were mining an asteroid. You're telling me they only have a small water recycler? Like, It's not possible. It's not possible. It's that not possible. That makes no sense. This is like a ship where you live. Right. You should have plenty of rations. You should have plenty of water. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like water, drinking water, cleaning water all you need you need water like you there's no way that they would have a tiny water recycler there's yeah. just not um really my dumb. other tiny uh, nit to pick is their cryopods are not designed in a way that makes sense like you're not supposed to just go in there and like freeze your body that's not how cryo works like you have to like prepare your body to be in a frozen state you probably have to be in some sort of liquid you have to like shoot like antifreeze stuff into your vein like it's like a whole process you don't just like lay down and go to sleep right (laughs) right but i'll let that go if it if it was as simple as like putting yourself in an ice block like people would do that (laughs) but unfortunately hypothermia is a thing yep um and i I, this is just i think getting back to what we were talking about earlier with murphy and amori but i do wish that we saw them have a discussion now that they're out of mortal danger yeah um to kind of figure out where their relationship stood i guess out of all of the things that i'm okay leaving until season six it probably is that but i still think this show just cut a lot of corners in this episode yeah i agree So Clark puts Maddie to bed and sees Bellamy doing the same to Octavia. Octavia says that it seems just like closing the door in the floor. She tells Bellamy that she loves him, and he says that a part of him will always love her, but the other part wishes a part of her were dead. Octavia decides that's fair. So Clark putting Maddie to bed was darling. Yeah, it was. (laughs) That is also the first time we saw Maddie's hair down, and it was just, it was so long and pretty. And And we saw that her last name is Griffin. Well, that's adorable. It was so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. This was just a very, like, maternal moment. It I was. It. And on on that note, though, I wish that we had gotten an interaction between Clark and Abby, like the one that we got with Clark and Maddie here. I would have liked to have seen a parallel like that. It felt weird that Abby was missing from the scene entirely. I just liked the fact that Dioza was missing. Like, there were a lot of people who I would have expected in this scene to have, like, more goodbyes. Yeah. You know? Because, like, going into cryo is a big deal. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had this point later, but I'm really frustrated we, we don't get to see 
Clark going into cryo because that's a really huge moment just like psychologically thinking I am going into this thing for 10 years and hell it turns out to be a lot more than that Mm -hmm. um I just I think that we missed a very crucial emotional reckoning (laughs) yeah and I also think that like this scene provided an opportunity for all of these characters to say goodbye and they didn't take advantage of they just didn't um Although I did like the the part um, when Octavia mentioned, you know, it was just like going under the, like hiding under the door again, because I think sometimes we forget about Octavia's claustrophobia and how overwhelming that must be. And I like this idea of her being vulnerable. Like this kind of emotional reckoning is like what I wanted with all of the other characters. Yeah. Um, and this is probably like one of the worst things that could happen to her, like mm-hmm. psychologically. Um, so I, th- I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah, I agree. I, I really liked that this show remembered that mm-hmm. because I didn't even think about it. Me neither. Um, so, yeah, that was a nice call out. Um, I, I really also think that Clark or that uh, Bellamy and Octavia deserved more of a talk before they went into cryo sleep. And I, they, they got a little bit of a discussion. It wasn't really even a discussion. It was like, I'm still mad at you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which is fair. But I, I just, I think so many problems in this show could be solved if people freaking communicate. I think Octavia has a lot to say. I think Bellamy has a lot to say. And I want them to, like, really hash it out before going asleep for 10 years, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure, like, what the rush was. Like, they have time to talk about this stuff. Yeah. You're not dying of starvation at this moment. Like, yeah, got time. Anyway. Um, I did appreciate that they elaborated a little bit on the fact that Bell, a part of Bellamy wants a part of, De- of Octavia dead. And it's it's not really the entirety of either of them that's the issue here. It's just like pieces of them. Well, I think that's an interesting thing for him to say because I think there's also a part of Octavia that wishes a part of her were dead. True. Um, I think it depends on, you know, day to day which part of her she wishes were dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but, you know, she didn't get that hero's death like she wanted, and she's not in a great place right now. And I, I, I don't think that she likes the person that she is. No, I don't think so. Not at all. Um, and again, not, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I really thought we were going to get a moment between Clark and Bellamy here before they went to sleep. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Clark going to sleep and, like, her reckoning with herself, but I really thought we were going to get a moment between the two of them. And it just cut to black, and I was left very unsatisfied. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, my biggest issue for the episode was that these two have this entire season we've been saying they need to talk. They have so much to talk about, so much to sort out, um, and they just aren't doing it. Mm -hmm. And their relationship in any way can't progress, or they they really can't be what they used to be to each other until they talk. (laughs) Yeah. It's just very frustrating that that was left for um, next season, if that, just because this season seemed like that was the central thesis is Clark and Bellamy and like them trying to separate their two worlds from each other. And that's where they get into trouble. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever get to see them talk. I don't know if we will either. It doesn't seem like something they'll go into and rehash. I feel like next season is going to be like a fresh start, but that's very irritating because that ultimately means that this season is unfinished. Yeah. It's incomplete. That's a problem. It is a problem. Uh, We flash forward. It is clearly years later, and Clark wakes up from hypersleep, quickly followed by Bellamy. They wonder why it's just them who woke when a man comes in and says that's the way his mom and dad wanted it. 
We discover that he's Monty's and Harper's son, Jordan, and that they didn't go into cryosleep. Jordan tells them that Monty left instructions on the bridge, and when Clark asks him how long they were asleep, Jordan says 125 years. So it was really fascinating to see the subtle, the subtle um, design changes they made to this room from when they were all going to bed to when they woke up, mm -hmm. just because you can really tell this room seems like it's been sitting undisturbed for a long time. Yeah. And I liked that that little that little detail that makes it feel like oh this has been 125 right. years time has passed yeah. it's it's been a long time mm -hmm. um i loved that the that clark was the first thing bellamy saw when he woke up you know it felt significant it i was, mean <laughs> i don't want to we don't need to get into bell we're, we're too not much, gonna do but that i'm just saying I wouldn't look at you like that if I was waking up and you were waking up out of cryo sleep. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, hi. Yeah, you wouldn't like have that like coy smile. Yeah. No, no. Um, yeah, it was adorable. Um, I, I do think it is hilarious and telling that Monty and Harper ordered Clark and Bellamy to be the first ones to wake up because I love that Monty and Harper have really always seen those as like the core two leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Shannon Cook's casting is perfect. He is like a great blend of Harper and Monty. Like he looks just like them. Yeah. It was really great. And also he's just adorable. I, I do think that there was a little bit of, um, displeasure at his casting for being casted for Monty and Harper's son because I believe Monty I, I'm they're, they're not of the same um, country of origin okay um, I don't remember who was from which country but okay. Monty and um, Shannon Cook are different are from different countries or okay I mean, so they have like different ethnicities, different, uh, ethnicities yeah the word I'm looking for okay so I do agree that I think that they look so similar, um, but it does bring up the issue of, you know, casting correctly and, like, casting within the ethnicity that you're looking for um, mm -hmm. is really important to give those people a chance for roles. Yeah, I agree. But I also really love Shannon Cook, so... <laughs> I know, I just, there's also something to be said for, like, casting the right actor for yeah. the right part and he's great he's adorable he's wonderful he's a little angel <laughs> um he he honestly just seems like he'll be such a delightful addition to the show and yeah. jordan is already so pure and i already adore him with yeah i mean he heart. is like he is his parents child yeah he's perfect I am also really frustrated that we didn't get a moment of closure between Bellamy and Monty in particular before Bellamy woke up with Monty dead. I don't know if this last scene is supposed to be that moment of closure, but I, I do think that Monty kind of knew that he didn't want to go into cryosleep, yes. you know, when Bellamy was going in. And those two have such a strong relationship and they've been through so much together, and they really deserved a moment. Like, even if he... I, I don't think you should have told him that he wasn't going into no. cryosleep, but I think that they deserved a moment to just reflect and, I think, and to be together. I think given that Space Crew had become, like, a unit, a family unit by unto themselves, like, I'm very disappointed that Harper and Monty didn't take the time to say their goodbyes yeah. without saying goodbye to mm -hmm. all of them echo raven murphy included i i'm very irritated you know not just on bellamy's behalf but all of their behalves like they were their family yeah um and none of them got to say goodbye 
Yeah, and they and could have. It was very easy for them to Right, and they to. didn't even get this video. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Bellamy at least gets this. But well, maybe they could have left them other videos, but I also do think that everyone will be watching this video next season. They'll understand what Well, happens. right, but it's, di- it's di- directed to Clark and Bellamy. Well, I think that's what's especially interesting is they made them wake up not i mean bellamy of course but they made them wake up clark first and not like any of the other space crew right because i think they know that clark and bellamy have always been stronger leaders together and like if if they're going to have any chance of success on this new planet clark and bellamy have got to be on the same page um i don't think we got that this episode i don't think they're on the, i mean i think the show thinks they're on the same page i don't feel like they're on the same page. i agree um, but one last note, and that is that it's been 125 years of a time jump. Holy shit. And that's ex- it's very exciting to me. It's, I, cr- I cannot believe they did that big of a time jump. I can. We said last episode, we thought it was going to be at least 100 years. And I know. Right. I know we said that, but I can't believe they actually did it. <laughs> that's one of my favorite tropes about waking out of cryo sleep and thinking like you've been asleep for a year and it's really been like. 100 years. years it's just it, i i think it's always so fun yeah i mean like i don't know why you would go into cryo if you weren't gonna do a giant time jump like that yeah. um it was just we were so excited yeah like almost rebroke my hand <laughs> <laughs> we like grabbed each other's hands and brit hurt her hand earlier this week and i like squeezed her bruise <laughs> and i was like so excited that i was like yelping for joy but also because i was in pain <laughs> Uh, so ending this out, so on the bridge, we see Monty and Harper in a series of videos over the years. We see Harper pregnant, and then we see Jordan right after he was born. Um, but 10 years pass without Earth coming back, and then 18 more go by, and still nothing. Monty and Harper put Jordan into hypersleep upon realizing that Earth isn't coming back. And then Monty gets to work on plan B, which is decrypting the Allegius 3 file. Decades later, Harper dies. So Jason uh, Rothenberg mentioned that Up was an inspiration for this scene, um, and this is also the scene that had the entire cast sobbing backstage. Yeah, I um, mean, I teared up a little bit. You did. Honestly, I didn't, and I don't know why. I think the main reason is just I kind of feel like I knew everything that was going to happen in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. nothing was a surprise to me. So... I was st- I was more focusing on the things this episode didn't do, which is why I wasn't feeling great at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just a complete sucker for parents and children having to say goodbye to themselves. Like, that will get me every single time without fail. Um, but I do think it makes sense why the whole cast was sobbing, because we found out that um, Christopher Larkin and Chelsea Reist... Reist were there on set and they were like giving their lines backstage while you know Bellamy and Clark and and Jordan had to act um and I think that makes a lot more sense as to why like it was it was their last day on set yeah people were already emotional so it was it was their goodbye scene yeah um I can imagine that would have been very very emotional Mm -hmm. um I thought it was a really interesting storytelling device that they implemented here with the video montage I'm not sure if it paid off in terms of pacing um but I did love everything we learned we saw in these videos I just feel as like the third act of this episode it was a little bit more of a tell than a show Mm -hmm. um I don't know how do you feel about that um 
I don't know. I think part of what takes me out of things is seeing young characters made up to look old. That always looks kind of ridiculous to me. It's kind of like the epilogue for Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yes, they did tell but not show. Yes, this was very exposition-heavy. I think it was the best they could do, you know? Um, I, I don't know. What do you What do you think? I just feel like if they were going to do this... I think it shouldn't have been as long as it was. It went on for a very long time. Um, And I also think, given that the rest of the episode was completely plot-driven, without any emotional, like, care... Like, they they tried to reserve all of the emotional gravity in this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it worked for certain characters, but I don't think that makes up for the lack of it for all of the other characters that we talked about. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And I think they were really banking on this being the emotional, like, heavy weight of the episode, and it just isn't enough. It's not enough to make up for all of the other characters. I think this episode just felt so breathless to me. Like, I didn't feel like we got enough moments to just reflect back on things. So, you know, they won the war and then you know Damocles was falling and they had to get to the ship and then they got up and they immediately decided to go into cryo sleep and then they woke up and it's been 125 it's just like it all moved so fast yeah that I maybe that's also one of the reasons that I didn't feel like emotionally um invested in this scene as much just because I like was still trying to catch up (laughs) yeah no I think that's fair uh, but I do love so, so much that they named Jordan, Jordan and Jasper Green. Oh my God, um, yes. That's, I just like how they're able to still bring back character legacies that have long since passed. Um, and I think that Jasper would have liked this. I think Jasper would have loved this, and I think he would have loved Jordan. Yeah. Do we think that Bellamy specifically is going to feel like a really strong sense of responsibility to protect Jordan? Yeah, I think the world's or the universe's best dad is 100% going to feel like he needs to adopt this child as his own. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like I think that Jordan is like his age. <laughs> oh, no, they're the same age, yeah. But I just I don't know. I think with Monty and Harper and trusting Clark and Bellamy with protecting their child, I think Bellamy especially is going to feel a sense of responsibility. I'm curious how Clark is going to feel. You know, she I think wasn't really I mean, she was close with Monty before the six-year time jump but after I just don't think they got on that same page again yeah um so I'm curious how Clark is going to proceed from here and and really what Clark's arc is going to be in general and we'll we'll get to that later but yeah um I, I can't wait to find out true I also am really excited to see how Monty and Harper mythologize their friends to Jordan um, I do think it will be different in many ways from what Clark told Maddie. I think it will probably be more truthful. Probably. I don't think Clark, for as as powerful and as brilliant as she is, I don't think she has a strong grip on reality. I think she... Well, I just don't think she's very self-aware. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, at I don't all. Think, like, like I said earlier, she doesn't place herself into these events as an important person. She just sees everyone else around her, and then she inflates their importance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Monty and Harper had, like, a very clear understanding of who all of these people are at their core. And I think that they will also tell them, tell Jordan the best and the worst qualities of them in a way that Clark didn't. Absolutely. Um, I, I do kind of wonder who ja- or who Jordan's favorite is now that he's older, because he didn't mention that Murphy was his favorite when he was, like, 10. Yeah, when he was going through his rebellious yeah. phase. So, like, who's your favorite now? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. We'll have to find out. 
I also, this is another tiny science nitpick, but I don't understand how Harper was able to conceive, just given that um, we know that people in space crew, or people in space up on the Ark, um, women had been given, like, internal contraceptives yeah. that Abby had to, like, remove via surgery when they got to Earth. So I don't know if, like, Harper asked her to do this. Maybe she did. Maybe we'll just, like, headcanon that. Um, but if Harper didn't ask her to do that and if Harper couldn't conceive those six years they were together on the arc you know in the time jump um I don't know why she could conceive now but maybe it stopped working sure I do also think it's ridiculous they didn't wake up Abby for specific things like it's not that big of a deal wake her up have her birth your child wake her up like have her help you know Harper when she's sick like it's not going to take that much time. She can go right back into cryo sleep. Maybe they were worried that if they woke her up, then she would, like, object to their plans or something. I don't know. I don't feel like Abby would, especially the Abby we know, who's, like, very conscious of choices now. Oh, I agree. I think of everyone, in fact. I think Abby's the one who would understand this the most. I don't know. I'm headcanoning here. Okay. <laughs> um, I do want to take a little bit of time and talk about Chelsea Reese and the way they used Harper this season compared to the way they used Christopher Larkin. It felt like Monty's character arc was all in service of this goodbye and his arc felt complete and realized to me while Harper's character was entirely undeveloped, underdeveloped and only used as a prop for Monty. Um, and I really liked her in these scenes, these, this video montage scene. But it just doesn't justify the total lack of attention they gave her all season. Um, and I know this show isn't sexist. I have spent a lot of time talking about all of the ways in which they portray wonderful, complicated women. Mm -hmm. But this is a huge oversight, and I need to know why. I need to know why they wouldn't give her something, because this is offensive. It is, it offensive. is offensive. You know... I honestly don't know. And we've had this complaint about Harper's character for a long time. And the only thing I can think of is that the writers just weren't excited by her character and didn't feel like writing it. And yet they just wanted Chelsea Reese to be on the show. So they kept her there. I honestly can't think of another reason. I mean, I just don't feel like people who write stories for a living and who are as creative as these guys are in the writer's room, like, couldn't figure out a way of making her oh, more interesting. No, it's their fault, for sure. I'm I just, saying... like, that's, I just, if that's the reason, then I'm, like, more mad than I was two minutes ago. I, I found everything they did with Monty to be absolutely beautiful and spot on for his character, mm -hmm. really worked with everything that they've they've laid out for us um and let him grow and bloom and have a complete arc in a way that like what do we know about harper nothing we know nothing about her only that she's monty's love interest and that's about it and what is kind of sad for harper as a character is that i don't think she would have chosen this on her own the reason that she chose to go or to not go into cryo sleep is because of monty like i think a lot of things that she's done is because of Monty. I think, you know, even staying back from the war is because of Monty. Like, Harper, when we first met her in the earlier seasons, was one of Bellamy's, like, gunners. Like, she was a fighter. And, like, I just think that... Well, I think the show thinks this is what she wants, but I haven't seen any evidence I don't to think support the show that. This is, says this is what she wants, because Monty even says, like, I know that there were times where Harper really wished that she could be with you guys. Um, 
and I, I, I think she chose to stay with Monty because that's what he wanted, but I feel like Harper has done a lot in the last few seasons because that's what Monty wanted. It's wrong. I don't like it. I don't love it either. Um, and now they'll never get the chance to redeem themselves as nope. writers because she's dead. Although I will say, you know, everything else aside, this is probably the one maybe only character on this show who will ever get a happily ever after. And I did like that, that I think Monty and Harper both deserved to just live happily. <laughs> and they got that. Yeah, I agree. I'm very happy that Monty got the life he wanted and the life he deserved. I mean, we've been hoping for that all season. I just would have preferred it if it felt true for Harper as well. Yeah, agreed. So Jordan opens the bridge window, and Bellamy and Clark see a huge planet outside with two suns. Over the video, Monty reveals that he finally cracked the code and discovered that Allegius two or Allegius three found a habitable planet. It's a seventy-five year journey, and Monty didn't live to see it, but he hopes it's beautiful, and he hopes the human race can live better than they have before. He tells Clark and Bellamy to be the good guys. So the image of the new planet with two suns takes my breath away. It might be my favorite imagery of the show to this point. Um, every time I see it in, like, GIFs and in videos, it's just, it's stunning. And it really is, in many ways, if you'll give me a pun, the show's second dawn. Uh -huh. um, when we see, like, this, like, red sun rising above the planet, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it definitely calls back to the Colts and the second dawn and to one crew and to everything they've been through in these last few years yes I agree and also the idea that this is the end of book one and now we are moving into book two well yeah <laughs> uh, I mean yeah um do we think that our heroes will be able to take Monty's be the good guys words to heart as they go to this new planet I think some characters will I think others will not um I I hope this show sort of turns over a new leaf um mm -hmm. the next page of the book if you will um with a new sort of optimism moving forward that we haven't seen this you know sort of like anarchy and despair <laughs> that has sort of plagued us from season one but i don't think that you can move entirely over to that attitude without losing the central core of what this show is which is struggle and the flaws of humanity um and what love makes you do so I think maybe the, sh the tone will shift slightly, but not in completely. Um, something we forgot to talk about earlier was Bellamy basically telling Maddie to break the cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something that last episode, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or not, but I was very confused about what the show's central thesis was because we had thought, you know, sometime mid-season that it would be about breaking the cycle of violence right. and choosing to live better. Um, and I did like that they finally brought that back with Bellamy's speech to Maddie. Yeah. Um, I think that Bellamy is very much, you know, already in the mindset of being the good guy. But I think that's something that Clark specifically has lost all track of. And she needs to find that again. And I, I, I hope that that will be something the next season that she can explore. Um, but in general, I do hope that now that we've got, like, an entire new team of writers... We have a new planet to explore. Um, I hope the show really sticks to that breaking the cycle theme. Um, I, I don't want to rehash the same old questions again of like, what will you do to survive? I want to explore some new questions. Yeah. Like once you've survived, how do you, how like, do you find, live? how do you find your worth? How do you like 
redeem yourself? How do you? How do you find your humanity again? Right. I, I would show, love yeah. to see that show. I, I'm ready for that show. And I feel like this show has kind of exploited um, the question of what will you do to survive as much as it can. Oh, yeah. they It's, it's like lost its taste at mm-hmm. this point. It's like an old piece of gum. And there's more of these huge questions to explore that the show could do a great job at. So I'm very hopeful that they will move in a new direction. I agree. Um, I did want to call out that even until the end, Monty is full of hope and optimism. You know, he still remembers his friends, what they've all done, but he hopes for a better future. So he, I feel like Monty really was the best of them. Oh, he was. Like, he was so pure. It makes sense that, like, he could not abide by a lot of the things that they did. And I, I know we just talked about this, but I felt like this, like, little ending nugget was was the epitome of Monty and I really loved it for him this was Monty's legacy telling them like don't forget there are good guys and you need to like strive to be that yeah Um, I I love how the show talks about good versus evil and good versus bad Um, through the whole like last five seasons we've gotten like there are no good guys or you know Abby later saying there actually are and you are a good guy and then Monty being like be the good guys it really kind of explores a topic that I don't think is explored enough, which is that, yes, everything in this show is morally relative, but that doesn't mean that the characters shouldn't strive to be the best people that they can be. Yeah, and I think intentions are meaningful. Intentions matter, yeah. Intentions matter. And I think Monty was the person who displayed that the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to call out that the last shot is of Clark and Bellamy. Um, which just reinforces Jason's mantra that this show is and always will be about Clark and Bellamy. This is their show. Um, so even though I'm not thrilled with everything we got this season, you know, it does give me hope that we will continue to see them develop as platonic soulmates um, <laughs> for lack of... In whatever way. In, I just want them to... to I, I love them being together in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I it was really hard for me to watch them be so separate um, and far apart from each other this season, and I, I think next season we'll have a much stronger united front for them. Yeah, they are the... They're, they're each other's true norths. Yes. Um, their compasses, like, point to each other, and I think they just... They need to be together. Yeah. <laughs> this world will be much better... If you're together. This new world. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, book one. How many books are there? Oh, my God. <laughs> how- I actually really liked this. There was a lot of different reactions on, on Oh, no, I line. loved it. I really liked it, and I do feel it, it feels right. Yes. We've literally left Earth. You killed it. It's dead. <laughs> we had to go to a new planet. We have to start completely all over again. I, I just I like that it's like one section of the show is done. Yeah, I like it too. It feels like everything that we've done since we landed on the ground in episode one has been leading up to this point. Um, and I like that this is like you know volume one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives me hope that they are gonna you know maybe explore other questions moving forward. Yeah, that's I mean there's a good side and a bad side to this. The good side is that I do think this means that the show will kind of change its tune a little bit and and explore some new things the bad thing is I don't feel like volume one the very end of it was properly explored right I think that this season could have been done much better had they focused much less on plot much more on character because that's why people love this show we don't care about the plots it's really not that big of a deal (laughs) no 
No. Um, but I am glad that, you know, hopefully we're starting fresh. Yeah. So that was the season finale. That was the end of the se- end of book one. <laughs> um, let's go into some of our discussion points about this. I know you have a lot of theories about season six. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have as much theories as just kind of questions to float. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I mean, I don't know if I've gushed enough. I probably haven't because I, I do want to make it clear how excited I am that this season really did end with them going to New Planet. Oh, we my God. We talked about this from, like, the trailer recap. That That's what I wanted to happen, and that's what happened, and I'm very, very pleased. Um, and I, I really – I could not be happier that the show is going in this this very, very different direction – for this show I'm um, so happy for you thank you like more than anything else like like I this is everything you've ever wanted <laughs> and I just it was like a Christmas present it that was. they hand delivered to you and when when it when it happened for real on this show like I like leaned over and I was just like I'm so happy for you <laughs> like this is everything Sarah's ever wanted like they didn't give me cat again last season but they gave me a new planet this season so and I, cryo I can sleep and you got cryo sleep, sleep and a new planet <laughs> like I'm so happy for you um thank you I appreciate that <laughs> um so we know that this next season is going to center around the mystery of Legius 3 and what happened to them um Monty says at the end of the season that Legius 3 never radioed back once they got to this planet and if they did radio back it was after the apocalypse so no one picked it up um so this question is you know what happened to Legius 3 what do you think they'll find oh I have no idea this is your department I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. We know this planet has alien life, not just because Jason said it did, but also just because there's, like, trees and water. Like, you can clearly see from space. Like, there is some sort of life on this planet. Yeah. Um, now, is it intelligent life? That's the question. And I think Jason, in an interview, brought up the question of, we will see intelligent life, but was it intelligent before Allegius landed? Yeah, you and I had talked a little bit offline about how it may be, like, a hybrid of some sort of of like the allegiance miners like m- melding together with the life form whatever life form was already existing on that planet yeah the way he phrased it made me worry a little bit that the um surprise of the season they're gonna go down find these aliens and then the, the surprise twist is that the aliens really are like the allegiance miner yeah, like the, the miners yeah um which i don't love that's fine um i really like that idea i think that these aliens are going to have to be humanoid in some way because the show probably can't afford afford to um do something too crazy yeah and i also think that again like the central tenet of this show is exploring humanity so while i do think it will be very cool to do like an alien bit um and introduce aliens to this show i think the question of humanity will always come back around Mm -hmm. um and again I think like exploring what does humanity mean I mean human as in the sense of like personhood or human in the sense of like a species yeah that's the yeah yeah so I really like that idea um and I hope I mean I could I think that could be really exciting and I think when we talk about humanity we we really are talking about personhood right and and an ego and the id and and all of those questions not necessarily like the human species but then suddenly it becomes literal when you introduce a new intelligent species into the into the mix mm-hmm. i mean is one form of species more important than the other and then it becomes a question of us versus them again so that's all very interesting i do like the idea that the first episode of next season 
or at least whenever they get down to the planet next season, will mirror a lot of the first episode of the show. Yes. With them, like, being in wonder about everything that they're discovering and then suddenly realizing they're not alone at the end. But then I hope they do it a little bit better because the first three seasons of the – I mean, the first three episodes of The 100, while we were not podcasting then, were a little rough. Yes, but I, I think that the show didn't know what it was trying no, to do then. No, I'm not blaming the show. I'm just saying that if we kind of get like a mirror episode, it will be even better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something that I'm wondering about for next season is Jason said they're going to be strongly leaning into the sci-fi genre. Of course, we can see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just am wondering what we can expect from that. I mean... I think we've talked a little bit about this already, but I, I just, there are so many things that are part of the sci-fi genre that I really want to see happen next year. And I am ex- like, well, I mean, I think that this like preoccupation with survival and struggle and all of that is very much like a dystopian genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can like let that go a little bit and move into like what is more considered sci-fi, which is like, what does it mean to be human? Like what I was just talking about in the face of multiple intelligent species, how do we live? Like what kind of, what are like the moral questions about technology and what that means for our lifespan and like all of these kinds of questions of like the bridge between humanity and technology, um, which I do think this show is very interested in, but has maybe taken a backseat in the face of the plot mm-hmm. um, and surviving. Um, so I'm just, I hope that they like really lean hard into those kinds of questions. Yeah, I thought I was, I'm interested in the way Jason phrased it, saying the show in next season was going to lean more in like a harder sci-fi direction because I I don't really know what Jason thinks hard sci-fi is. I know, I was wondering that too. Because like, honestly, y- yes, this show has been a lot of dystopian, but number one, dystopian is, is sci-fi, sci-fi most of the time. Yeah. Um, number two, they've had like AI and they've had, you know, really intense plots like you know the miners coming back down to earth they've had raven trying to figure out how to launch a rocket like there's been a lot of like hard harder technical sci-fi elements the show's already included so i don't know if jason thinks it just means like aliens and a new planet which yeah, like, i'm totally down yeah for. i'm fine with that too i just hope that he like really understands the genre yeah like from a literary point of view which i think he will like i think he can do that i hope so i think he can i hope I think all the writers can. The question is, will, will they? they? <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I'm curious what's to come for some of our core characters. Specifically for me, Clark and Octavia are the two most interesting questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Clark, uh, some of her friends are going to have a hard time forgiving her next season. So that, that kind of angst is going to carry over. Um, but Jason also that Clark has a really big season coming up and, Eliza is really excited for, you know, the things that Clark has coming up next season as well. So what is her arc going to be? Like, is it is it possible that she really needs to spend next season learning how to stop surviving and start living? Yeah, I actually kind of was thinking about this in terms of season three, like after the catastrophe in Mount Weather when she left mm-hmm. and like couldn't literally couldn't deal um, and then slowly had to be brought back around to find her humanity again with Lexa. Like, Lexa really was the one to yeah. teach her how to do that again. I feel like we're going to see something a little similar to that with Clark this se- this season, learning how to, like, connect with her friends again and hopefully having all of them kind of help her find that piece of herself again. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. I think Clark really needs to come back into 
who she was like in season one I think that's quite a like long journey for her but I think that was like her at her core yeah is like deeply caring about other people and wanting to help them and wanting them to have them be safe um and I think a lot of that doesn't necessarily gets lost but it, it gets buried under all of the the angst and the murder and like, <laughs> so I, I just want her to like find happiness in who she is again yeah and maybe that's a question not for next season but for book two <laughs> maybe um and then as for octavia you know she feels like she was cheated out of her hero death which is going to be something they discuss next season but i think that jason also mentioned that she is she's frustrated that people don't give her credit for keeping them alive um you know she as maddie said she bore the burden so they didn't have to and now they've all turned against her um and i i i don't think octavia was right in pretty much anything she did this season but i do feel bad for her yes. that she's become this person that they made her to be and now they've all yes. turned against her and I think this is what the show does best I mean like we've complained a lot this episode but this kind of character work where you don't agree with anything the character did but yet you still feel for them that mm-hmm. you sympathize with them that is a, that is a functional writing yeah. that works there you are doing something correct when you can pull that off that is hard and they did it well. Um, so the fact that we can still feel sympathy for her, which we deeply do. Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for her. And I feel like she's right in feeling this, um, even if she didn't do anything right, <laughs> um, is is a is an example of what the show can do well. Yeah. Um, one more interesting, or really two characters I wanted to t- talk about for next season um, are Abby and Kane. Abby... I, I'm, you know, I think she's definitely in a better place now at the end of this season than she was at the beginning of this season. I don't feel like Kane is. And honestly, I really thought he was going to die this I season. I thought he was going to die this season, too. I just don't know how much left there is for Kane to do. Um, but maybe they'll make me feel better about him next season. I don't know. But I just don't know what his arc can possibly be. Yeah. I am having a very hard time envisioning what, what's left for him Maybe they'll keep him for a few episodes like they did with Jaha this season and give him, like, a solid goodbye moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, like, I feel like Abby deserves to, like, ha- be happy with Kane. Yeah, um, I for Abby's sake, I would really like them to, like, live happily ever after. But... I think she's lost enough. She has lost enough. But with Kane, I, you know, I have to wonder, maybe next season will be about him reckoning with himself for real this time, not yeah. just, like on some you know conscience level like um vincent was talking about where like it's talking and you don't listen to it i i really think kane needs to come to terms with the person that he is yeah maybe Um, he can have some nice therapy sessions with dioza everyone yeah needs to have therapy with dioza yeah that's what i'm imagining like her with her glasses on a couch so there wasn't there wasn't a therapist on earth but maybe there'll be a therapist on this new planet maybe the dioza will become the therapist yeah this is what i'm saying yeah this is what i truly really want (laughs) (laughs) therapy sessions of the hundred (laughs) that's all i want i would watch that show i would watch that show (laughs) um okay so i think those are all of our questions about next season do we want to talk about our favorite lines I do. Um, my favorite line was "Be the good guys" from Monty because I line. really do think that gets down to the core of what this show is trying to say. Absolutely, it was a great, great line. 
And my favorite line was when Bellamy said, you can be better than them, be better than us, you can break this cycle. Because I do think it's significant and touches on everything that they try to do in this show is to be better, but they just can't. Mm -hmm. And their hope for the future and that Maddie can be better for them and break this cycle is hopeful. I think there's always that hope for a new generation to do things better than what you did. Except for the millennials. Except for the millennials who are killing everything. Everything. (laughs) We're ruining everything. Um, So what's your favorite scene? Actually, despite how much I shit on it, my favorite scene was the video montage watching Harper and Monty finally live the peaceful life that they wanted. Plus baby Jordan. I felt like my my frustration with the episode up until that point was I was very frustrated up until that point. I couldn't I couldn't really point to a single moment where I I mean like I like we'll talk about the Dioza and Octavia moment in a bit cuz that was my runner up um scene, but that was a little short for me um and I did I just desperately wanted Monty to like be at peace and watching him finally achieve that was ultimately my favorite thing that happened yeah what about you my favorite was of course what else Clark (laughs) and Bellamy looking out at this window at a new planet with two sons it's their second chance um it was just it was a beautiful scene it was and this is what I wanted, so <laughs> yeah, I got it. You got it. You better be your favorite. Um, but I, the runner-up scene really was that 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 interaction between Dioza and Octavia. Um, and then also, I did love that scene with Octavia and Abby yeah, as those, well. Yeah, those are my two. Those favorite are our two runner-up scenes. runner-up scenes. It just, again, I think they did the best work with Octavia. Yeah, and it needs to be said. Which, again, it wasn't perfect. It could have been It could better, have been better, but, but it definitely was the best of everyone yeah. else. So that is the season finale of season five. Oh, man. Oh, my God. What a journey. <laughs> what a journey. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That's S-K-A-I-C-A-S-T-K-R-U at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at Skycast, and you can tweet at us at our own Twitter accounts. I am at Perlman 89 and I'm at Sarah R. McCabe. And that is the final episode of season five. We will probably be back for trailer updates before the beginning of next season. But until then, may we meet again. May we meet again on a new planet. <laughs> Bye.